Hello and welcome to the Silver King's War. I'm Michael Sievers, the writer, producer, and creator of this podcast series about my father's Second World War as a B-26 bombardier. Today we continue in the epilogue for Dearest Ones, the letters that our hero, the Silver King, wrote to his family throughout the war. It's mid-January of 1944, and Stanley, with his buddies, J.J. Sherry and Herb Stempler, are driving from Carlsbad, New Mexico, and their bomber school graduation to their next assignment, which is at the Columbia Army Air Base in South Carolina. They are scheduled to report for their new posting on February 6th. The cross-country journey is scenic, and the guys really enjoyed all of it. They stopped in St. Louis and Chicago and Louisville en route to Columbia. For the king, who loved the nightlife, the visit to Chicago and the famed Chez Perry Club was really an extraordinary stop in his war years. The Shea, which opened in 1932 at 610 North Fairbanks Court, which was just west of Lake Michigan, and closed in 1960. But in those 28 years, it was a benchmark for Chicago nightlife. Stanley has a soft spot for Chicago. His sister lives there with her family. And... No, it isn't Las Vegas, and it won't be New York. But as the guys proceed, this was a welcome place to spend an evening. Stanley reports to his family that they arrived in Columbia on February 3rd, 1944. They had driven in from Asheville, North Carolina. And he's also describing that the barracks on base are just as bad as what Nashville had to offer. But things are different now. He's an officer, and he has options. He can live off base. Stanley, through the officer network, rented a room for $30 a month in a private home at 116 Harden Street in Columbia was a nice family, as he described them, and he enjoyed the privacy and easy time of being by himself. Relating to his folks, of course, that his Chicago highlights included the stay with the Bernstein family, Leona Lee and their young son, Richie. And Stanley, as an uncle, got his first view of his nephew, and he fell in love with Richie right away describing to his folks that, quote, someday I'm going to have a half a dozen just like him, end quote. When Stanley has settled in, of course, he meets John Sherry's wife, and that reinforces his loneliness. Stanley really wants to be married. He wants a wife. And he's bored, of course, and writing every day about his life and its Minutia, a lot of it having to do with the start of his class training. 
His work begins on February 6th, and he said that the first week was long, but the Elks Club had a very nice bar for its officers. And of course, in his writing, he's telling his folks, quote, I don't mind telling you I'm sorry I didn't get married, because as for me, I'm going to have six children, end quote. And then he goes on to describe that his mother, of course, had sent him the wrong robe that he had requested. He asked for the terry cloth, and she sent him the red one. But that's the day-to-day life of an officer. The king's patterns include eating breakfast and dinner at a hotel in town, and he finds that a very easy thing to do. And he describes on February 25th that for the first time he played golf. They played nine holes, and the king really enjoyed it. And of course, I, as his son, played golf with him in the early years, not much. He was a gifted athlete who worked hard. But I got the golf bug from him. As Stanley socializes with J.J. Sherry and his wife, he meets a man from Ohio named Bob Ketterer, and Stanley and Bob become close during these months. And of course, the king continues to muse about family life as he enjoys his time with the Sherrys and regrets having to return to a single room in a private home on some lonely nights. The king's training regime changed dramatically at the start of March. He wrote to his folks on March 2nd of 1944, saying that he's been very busy because his orders finally came through, assigning him to the field at Columbia Army Air Base. And he's finally been processed into a squadron. He's pleased to say that he was assigned to the 377th Squadron of the 309th Bomb Group, and he describes it as supposedly the best squadron on the field, and he's satisfied with that assignment. Stanley has continued to push his mother about the idea of marriage, and with Each query, of course, she turns him down, explaining simply that he should wait until the war is over and he returns home. Stanley acknowledges to his parents that he would never do anything that they disapproved of, but he's decided to shift gears because since his folks won't allow him to marry, he wants to buy a car. His rationale is that it's a long way to the flight line, and he claims that over 85% of the officers assigned to the field have cars. The king explains that he's done some shopping, but the prices he sees are very expensive, and he's hoping that his father can look around in Birmingham and help him out with a car loan, which he can repay at $75 a month. The king makes it all very simple. He describes that his folks can deliver the car when they drive from Birmingham to Columbia on their visit to the airbase. And the king concludes his passionate plea for a vehicle by saying simply, 
quote, it's now more than ever that I want things I never had before. I want to see and do the things I never could. I'm sure you can understand my reasons for this, end quote. Stanley's advanced training as a bombardier improves dramatically in mid-March when he goes on his first bombing mission from Columbia to Myrtle Beach in what he described as rough weather and a big plane. He was riding a B-25H, and he said again, quote, Boiled down, navigation is nothing but a big headache, and my head isn't big enough to take care of it, end quote. The King's navigation challenges are countered by good car news. He has found a 1936 Ford Phaeton that has a radio and a heater for $350. The officer who owns the car is shipping out the next day, and he needs the transaction to finish. Stanley asks his folks to wire the money so that he can buy the car. Of course, none of that happens in time, because by the time Stanley gets his deal in place, the car is sold. As the Silver King's training missions continue, he writes a letter to his parents on March 22nd. And again, he's found himself in the place of trying to explain to his folks what his job is, and what he means to his group. And he begins with this simple statement, quote, Each man in the service is being specifically trained for a particular job, a job coupled with millions of others that will, of course, help end the war. And just as important is Stanley saying, and we as Jews, have a commitment. And of course, I want to be clear that I fight first as a Jew and second as an American. As our hero, the Silver King, reminds his parents about what his work entails and how he feels about the war, we have reached the end of The Epilogue of Dearest Ones, Part 13. And you are listening to The Silver King's War.